Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... You know what? Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? You know what? We're going to have an interesting discussion on that today. My name's Megan. And I'm Steve. Today we are looking at the Thanksgiving episode of Small Wonder. Now, we don't even have to explain to you what this show is, because I'm sure all of you know. No, we definitely well. have to explain it at some point. It goes without um, explanation. It is a, you know, we'll, we'll go into the, the summary, but essentially it's it's from the 80s, and it's a robot girl living with a normal family in a sitcom situation. Yes. And I was obsessed with this show as a kid, so I'm excited to talk about it. It was the mid-late 80s when you could really launch a sitcom from anything. Just about, yeah. Before... Before we get more into that, we have our snack review. Non-sponsored snack review. The Arrow Bar. The Arrow Bar, yeah. By Nestle. Well, now it's by Nestle, yeah. So I'm going to try this and you give us a little bit of history. Okay, so go ahead and crinkle that package. I'm going to crinkle this right in front of the microphone. No, you're not. The year was 1862. And a company called Rone Tree in the UK begins to make chocolates and candies. And what's interesting to me is that they they had strong associations with the Quakers. And so did the other two big manufacturers, Cadbury and Fry. Okay. Those Quakers like to make chocolate. Yeah, apparently. So Rone Tree is, a lot of people don't know the Aero Bar, and I don't remember, I think we got this actually at the Scottish store. Or the Irish store. The Irish store? We possibly could have, yeah. Rone Tree is a British confectionery, and they developed a number of things. They started with fruit pasties in 1881. Those are um, like little jellies that are round and they're fruit flavor, you know, like the, they're fruit juice and they have no artificial colors or flavors. They're like lime, strawberry, orange, that kind of thing. Then in 1935, they had two big hits. One was the Aero Bar and the other, and I think probably more well known, was the Kit Kat. Wow. So this... So the same company that made the little-known Aero Bar made Kit Kat. Yeah, and also Smarties two years later. Well, we know how I feel about Smarties. But. I know. You know, what What ended up happening is that Rone Tree um, folded in 1988. They basically sold to Nestle. And so Nestle um, makes the Kit Kat, except in the U.S. where it's made by Hershey. That's weird. But they also make the Aero Bar and distribute the Aero Bar. And um, I think that that's probably why I remember this candy so much, because they had a big push when Nestle took it over. It was like the big American push. Not like it had been sold Mm -hmm. here, but not like big. And they would have all these commercials where it's like floating on air and lighter than air and like that somehow this chocolate was kind of almost good for you in a way, like weirdly. I don't remember that. When was it? It was, it would have been 1988. 80s? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I kind of very rarely remember 
the commercial you're explaining. But I wasn't a big candy kid. Like I, well, you know, I, I didn't eat a lot of candy unless it was a special occasion. So it right. wasn't something where I'd see it and be like, oh, I'm going to go get one of those. Yeah. But, um, the, you know, they had, this was about the same time that they started the jingle for Kit Kat. Give me a break. Okay. Break me off a piece of that fancy feast as they say in yeah. the office now. Um, so at any rate, yeah, they, they so they started in 1862. The Aero Bar has been around since 1935. And um, it's what's interesting is that it it was they were trying to compete with Cadbury and with Fry. And so they launched this. They have a regular flavor and then they also had a uh, mint version. And They've used it in different studies to help people trigger nostalgia and people like with Alzheimer's and things like that. Really? Yeah, which is kind of interesting to me, like the old packaging and like that. I guess because I think it you'd has want to go with something more well known. A certain particular type of flavor. Mm. Oh, that's true. It does have a particular type of flavor. And I think that might be why that it that like specific flavors, specific smells trigger specific memories, right? As opposed to just like generic right. chocolate. Um, and this is my other favorite fun fact about this. Two things. Number one, in 1953, they had a special packaging to commemorate the Queen's coronation. And the Queen just passed, so I thought that was kind of interesting. interesting. And then in 1983, there was a heat wave in the UK, mm-hmm. and apparently it caused all the bubbles in arrow bars to collapse. Interesting. Like if they were being sold in like stands mm-hmm. and like if they were packaged up in boxes yeah. that the heat wave was just so bad that they couldn't. So Steve, you describe what you think this tastes like right, and so then I will describe it. This is a chocolate arrow bar and it does, it is fluffy kind of airy in the inside, almost like a Three Musketeers. Oh, that's not how I would describe it at all. No, that's interesting. I'm, not the taste. I'm saying the consistency. Oh, okay. The texture is almost like a... Like a moose or a three musketeer, like the nougat in a three musketeers mm-hmm. almost. It, but the kind we have is chocolate. Um, it tastes. Mm, it, I want to be specific here. It tastes like the kind of cheap chocolate used in an Easter bunny. That's what I was going to say. Stop it. That's exactly how I was going to describe it. It tastes like a cheap chocolate Easter money, except that it crumbles weirdly in your mouth. it has air pushed in. I don't it. care for it at all. Um, I mean... No, Steve, I had to go and eat something and it, else. It's got a real interesting aftertaste. <laughs> yeah. That I can't really put my finger on. We almost watched Friends for our Thanksgiving-themed sitcom episode. Yes, except for I and I know, but they have a thing. Their first Thanksgiving episode, Monica has just lost her job as a chef, and she is tasked with making stuff out of mocklet, which is like fake chocolate. Yeah. And that's what I feel like this is. Um, so, yeah, it's really a weird texture, and it's kind of a. The, the taste is just. it's it, it. I feel like they tried to fancy up cheap chocolate. Listen, it's no Kit Kat. It is no it is no Kit Kat. No, it is not. <laughs> I think that look, they were trying to do something different. They were trying to compete with Cadbury and they were like, What if we have this recipe for a cheaper chocolate, but what if we put bubbles in it and it'll be kind of different and new? And it was the nineteen thirties, so during the depression, my guess is that it was cheaper to make as well because it's aerated, so there's not as much chocolate as a solid bar. Yeah, it's just 
Yeah. And it has a weird chemically aftertaste to it, which I don't yeah, care Yeah, it tastes for. like mocklet. It's it's it, it's not good. I had this before we recorded, and I went and I ate a fig to get the taste of it out of my mouth. So I am... I was like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I'm going to give the arrow bar a two. We are on the same page cause I'm because I was going to give it a two as well. I only I, I I reserve one for things like circus peanut, which makes me want to vomit. And yeah. this didn't push me that far, but it was not pleasant. I gave a one to a tootsie roll, and this isn't uh, as bad as that the tootsie being roll. said. I did eat more than one bite. I didn't. I, I know. Even, I couldn't even eat the one bite I had. Um, my last fun fact, and then we'll do our full rating, is that um, during wartime, World War II, production had to cease. And then for some God knows reason, they brought this back in the 50s after World War II. They relaunched a campaign with four ordinary women to highlight the fact that the chocolate bars were an accessible treat for all. And their slogan was different for her, Arrow, the milk chocolate that's different. And they called them the Arrow Girls. And they had this thing in 2013 where they tried to discover who all these Arrow girls were and, like, what happened to them later. Which I think is kind of interesting in terms of food history. But I love that they were like, we're not going to go with delicious. Just different. Just different. Just different. A little bit different. (laughs) Which is kind of how we feel about it. So, we are rating, obviously, out of robots. Yep. And today we are doing... Two robots out of five. Ugh, two out of five robots. We do one out of we do out of five for the snack, and then we do out of ten for the show. So, now that we've had that not so delightful treat, <laughs> let's get into a summary of Small Wonder. Steve, had you ever seen this before too? Before I had you. never seen this before in my entire life. I was not even aware that it existed. I am so excited to um, talk to you about this. You have no idea. Okay. <laughs> um, so, Small Wonder is a sitcom that came out in 85. It lasted to 89, which surprises me completely. Yeah. Um, but it was about uh, Ted and Lori mm-hmm. um, Lawson, who were a couple. They had a 10-year-old son named Jamie. And Ted worked for a robotics technology company. And so he basically wanted to try to make like a lifelike robot. And they kind of said, no, that's not a project we're interested in. So he brought it home and did it. And he made Vicky, who is a little girl. She's supposed to be around the same age as Jamie. um, But she's a robot that looks like a human being. Um, And so he has to keep keep it under wraps, kind of. Uh, because he did it at home. And then, of course, there's Harriet, the nosy neighbor little girl, <laughs> whose dad works with Ted. So right. if she catches on, like, you know, they're afraid that she could tell her dad and Ted could get in trouble for making artificial intelligence, which I feel like the Terminator came out right before this. They should know <laughs> what, where where this is going. Well, making artificial right? intelligence. A bloodbath where Vicky slaughters the whole family. Making artificial intelligence, but also bringing it home, yeah. having a side project yeah. that he's clearly using company money yeah. for. If you've never seen this, this is the show, okay? Terminator meets <laughs> Shirley Temple. So if Shirley Temple slaughtered a bunch of people, this is this is small wonder. You're not that far off. I mean, it's <laughs> no. not it's not that dark though. It's not. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna start with my favorite 
history fun fact about this show. Okay. Okay. And that is the fact that <laughs> Howard Leeds, who was himself a former child star, um, and he created a number of shows. This was not his first TV show about a robot living with a family. Okay, so he had a niche. Yeah. He did My Living Doll, uh, Julie Newmar, before she was Catwoman. That sounds weird. So, Julie Newmar, before she did Catwoman. Yes. Starred in My Living Doll as an android trying to blend in with society. So, he had a thing he really liked here. I a think bit of so. An android and I, I'm, I don't, I haven't seen that, but I'm guessing that that one was a little bit more, even though it was the 60s, I'm guessing it was a little more... Ooh la la. A little more adult. A little more adult, yeah. But um, he also co-created Silver Spoons, which we're going to feature after Thanksgiving. Yep. And Different Strokes as okay. well. But he had this idea in the nineteen early 1980s of having a child robot that slowly adopts human traits so that you'd be able to see this child kind of become more and more human like a like a slow burn pinocchio Uh i guess right and here's basically what happened he showed it to a couple networks unsurprisingly they passed Uh and then he came to metro media and metro media was trying to do a new thing at the time which was called first run syndication so we've talked about syndication before where most shows tried to get 100 episodes and then they'd be syndicated. Right. So the network would then sell them to affiliate networks and then later on to, to TV channels like TNT, USA, right, all of that. So this was a company that was like, no, we're just going to syndicate it right off the bat. So we're going to produce it and then we'll just sell it to a bunch of different stations networks. and okay. networks. And I think... Because of that... That's why I never saw it. And I also think that that's why it lasted four seasons. Because I think if they it had been... They just kept selling it to people. They just kept selling it to different people, yeah. And I think that if they had sold it to a network, it probably would have been axed after like four or five episodes. Because yeah. I'm going to spoil this for you guys. This show was not good at all. <laughs> um, but I was obsessed with it as a kid. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, yeah, so they were looking for fresh, cheap material, and this is a... They hit both. It hit both. It's a sitcom. They did have some special effects, but it's three kids who don't have to be paid as much as adult actors, mm-hmm. and it's one set, right? It just takes place in the in the living room and the kitchen, pretty much. I will say this about it. Um... Because, I mean, it is, it's basically your your standard family sitcom, except they made the daughter an android. Yeah. Um, so occasionally she does weird things, like she talks very robotic, mm-hmm. right? Or she'll, like, lift a chair or something that, like, a younger girl, like a couch or something yeah. to show she's strong, right? I will say this. I don't think the idea is bad. I think it was about 30 years too early. I think with the CGI and special effects we have today... Uh, this could be a good show. Well, and also, the we'll talk about this when we get into it, the writing is problematic. Right, but the concept, I think... Yeah, the concept's I think an Android... Uh, first off, Androids and AI is not so far off here. Yeah. But I think... I mean, we saw, like, Data with Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. Which is only probably 10 years later, even less, actually. Like yeah. 93, probably. So, you know, you have, you have that coming soon. Mm-hmm. 
But I just feel like now, if if it was done 2015 or 2020, right, the CGI and special effects could be enthralling and could help even try to cover for bad writing a little bit. Yeah, I could. We can get into this when we do more of our review, but I think you could see this type of show being on like Disney. Yeah, where. Again, the acting might not be great. But what's interesting is that, so it's V-I-C-I, which stands for Voice Input Child Identicate. So that's Vicky. Right. It's V-I-C-I. That's what it stands for. And the person who played Vicky um, was Tiffany Brissett. She was 10 years old at the time that she got the job, and she came from... She had done child pageants, so she could um, sing, she could dance, she could ride horses, she could do ice skating and figure skating, I guess. And basically, she's this, like, really multi-talented girl. She did gymnastics, she played the piano, like, all of these things, right? But um, the, the role called for her, especially the first season, to not do any of that stuff. So she had to like, it was, it's very difficult to be that young and be the straight person in the sitcom Mm -hmm. because you can't laugh. You can't react to anything. You're just saying the lines and the other people are kind of reacting and playing off of you. Right. Right. Um, So. Yeah. She's expected to come in very young and be the straight man in the comedy bits, which is kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as you said, she's multi-talented, but it's interesting because her career wasn't like she, she went on and did a couple little things. She did some episodes here and there of stuff. She did a couple direct to video. And then her last acting was in 91 in an episode of Parker Lewis can't lose. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> which, that. which was a huge step up from this, which tells you something. She basically decided to retire from acting and, um, go to school and then she became a nurse. So now she's a nurse in Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, the site of half of Stephen King's books. So I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) That's true. Um, Then we have her brother, Jamie, who was played by Jerry Supperian. And he had a really rough time as well. He went through a period of time where he was um, homeless and he, he basically had a financial advisor who stole his money. Yeah, it was an ex-girlfriend and advisor. And his, yeah. Yep. Oh, I see. I thought it was his financial advisor and his no, ex-girlfriend. No, I think it was one and the same. Oh. And then that explains he ended up working in a number of restaurants and then... But now he's doing better. Working at a homeless shelter. Yeah. And but. now he's helping the people that, you know, helped him. And then Emily Shulman, we also saw in one of our previous episodes. She played Harriet. Mm-hmm. And we saw her in Troop Beverly Hills. Oh, Yes. And um, Emily Shulman is now an acting instructor, and she's also done work as a commercial agent. So she, so all three of the kids in here basically stepped back from acting. So small wonder the show that kills child actors. Maybe. Kills their careers. Kills their careers or kills their hopes and dreams. I don't know. Um, yeah, but it, essentially there was a lot of fighting on the set, not with the kids, but with their parents. 
Really? Yeah, because Ted and Joan weren't didn't I, get along. Huh? No, no, no. The parent, the real parents. Oh. Of all three of the kids, and especially apparently Tiffany Brissett's mom really kept pushing for her to be able to do more things. Right. And she was like, the whole premise of the show when they signed up for it was that she would eventually like become more human-like, mm-hmm. right? And so they went through a couple iterations, different seasons where, like. They tried to explain her growth spurt, where they said, like, oh, he lengthened her joints. Yeah. And he made her bigger. Um, and then they also um, said, oh, he they, she got an upgrade mm-hmm. so that she could do more things. But I think, too, that one of the problems was for the kids was that because this... Um, Metro group who later I think was taken over by Fox if I'm not mistaken they were like these kids are going to hit puberty soon and yeah. it's going to be a problem for the robot but also the other two Right. and so basically they pushed the production schedule like they wouldn't have as many breaks and all this kind of stuff that like nowadays you just can't do that with child actors right yep and there's also there was also some problems with the writers because the writers really hated writing for this show and apparently Howard Leeds, the guy who did different strokes and, and you know, the other My the Living Doll. Runner, yeah. The showrunner, he wanted it the way he wanted it. And they were like, we all went home at 530, which is unusual in that business. Like they had a nine to five day. And they said one of the scripts had eight pages just of dialogue. Wow. Which is really, again, unusual. So there's yeah. no real action. There's no movement. There's no special effect. It's just them talking. And it, a pa- it in screenwriting, a page is about a minute. Right. The, the thing is, does eight minutes of dialogue sound like that long? Maybe not. But if you think about the fact that a, a TV show like this is about, with commercials, 22, 24 mm-hmm. minutes long, you've just got a third of it, like one scene. Right. Of them talking, yeah, of just them talking and doing dialogue. Um, So, basically, with season four, they had pushed to 96 episodes, and that was enough for further syndication, Mm -hmm. and it ran in syndication for, like, five or six more years, which is also crazy to me. (laughs) And there, you know, we'll talk about this when we get into kind of maybe some of the um, reception, but... A lot of kids did like this show, and I was one of them. And in our place, it used to come on in a lot of places, I guess, Saturday morning. Oh, really? So what they were doing, because it was syndicated, didn't matter. Yeah. So they would show it Saturday morning as, like, a live-action thing. During cartoons and stuff? During cartoons. So if you didn't like cartoons, this would also be on. And they also um, had a a costume based on her outfit, her little red dress with her pinafore. Yeah. And they were thinking about actually having a cartoon based on it. Okay, that probably would have been better. I think so. They could have done more with it. And and cartoons... (laughs) The writing time doesn't have doesn't, to be strong and time because it's a lot more physical action. Yeah, there's a lot more physical action. You could do some of the special effects. Right. And also time isn't a factor. Yeah. Like the Simpsons has just been the Simpsons, right? Right. Or the South Park. They're still in fourth grade or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, so we're going to break here. And when we come back, one of us will talk about their memories. Steve, I know this was your I'm favorite. Make up memories. Favorite show of all time. And then we'll get into our full review and recap.
All right, so we are back. Steve, we were promised made-up memories. <laughs> <laughs> did you have the Halloween costume as a kid? I did not, no. I had, as we mentioned before, I really had no, I had no idea this even existed. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I would have liked to watch it. <laughs> I know it was something you watched a lot, but I just don't know if it would have caught my attention as much. Maybe, I mean, if we're talking 85, you know, I'm eight nine years old it's possible i would have watched it but um i just apparently wherever i was living at the time it did not have syndication of small wonder yeah if you if you would have been in texas it's especially it's possible um for me okay this came out so i would have been six right Mm -hmm. at that point i was allowed to watch like a half an hour of tv a night. And this is what you to- chose? And I, it, 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 before it came on on Saturday mornings, it was on, on, like, I think Thursday night at, like, 7.30. And I would, like, every week I would, like, wait for it. And then it didn't come on. And so my biggest surprise in doing this show with you is that this lasted four seasons. Because I fully thought that this was something that I remembered watching, like, Five or six, like when when we talked about you with Manimal, yes, like that you were obsessed with it for a short period of time, right? And I really thought that it had only run like for thirteen episodes. I had no idea it went on for four seasons. Neither did I. Absolutely none. And it it, it really is, uh, given the writing, quite surprising to me. <laughs> quite quite surprising so we want to go through we watched the pilot and then we also watched the thanksgiving episode which was from season two yeah the, so we'll we'll hit on the pilot a little bit but we really want to talk about thanksgiving episode for the most part but the pilot was i mean as in most pilots it's an instruction right yeah so we get to meet ted um we get to meet um ted and his wife and their son jamie and also we see neighbor the neighbor harriet right right so the pilot episode, just to give you kind of a, a quick one-sentence overview, we're introduced to Vicky. He brings her home in parts in a suitcase, puts her together, and then they say to treat her like a real child, and she kind of becomes part of their family. That's, yeah. that's the pilot. It's that, introducing the situation. Right? Yeah, in that's kind of where we see it, right? We, we, we're introduced to the characters. Um, Joan, the wife... The mom is, I feel like, is easily impressed and kind of simplistic, at least in the first episode. Maybe she just loves her husband so much. (laughs) She's like, oh, you're brilliant. Everything you do. Like me. That's what I say. Yeah. The son (laughs) is pretty sarcastic. So here was my first issue. The the you're yeah, so you're pointing out that the wife is very simplistic. The son, though, is smarter than both of his parents. This kid has all the one-liners yeah he gets most of them and i actually i put down you know jamie and vicky kind of steal the show as it is um from the parents basically um but he's to begin with before even all that we open up with what can only be called it sounds like a ripoff of lawrence welk show song She's a small wonder. I mean, it is the corniest opening. Yeah, especially in the eighties. I, I would. It think didn't it's sound be a like an eighties show. Yeah, it Not didn't sound like an eighties show. It sounded like nineteen forties. Yeah. Um. Ted comes in with an enormous briefcase 
And the first thing out of Jamie's mouth is, man cannot live by education alone. We're not going to go beat by beat through this, but that's the kind of thing that he's saying. As a 10-year-old. As a 10-year-old. And big laughs from, I think, an audience. Or a laugh track. Possibly a laugh track. And um, the laugh track here is so intrusive. If they had an audience, they amplified it. Yeah. Past what it was. Um, We meet Harriet the neighbor who's the worst. Well, Harriet gets the door slammed in her face several times. A lot. A lot, yeah. Um, And also, a lot of weird innuendo between the mom and the dad. Like, Jamie says, a brother or a sister. Oh, he's talking to Harriet, and he's like, I asked for them for a brother or a sister, but I don't think they're really working on it. Yeah. Later, Jamie says, I don't think I'll ask dad to play with me. And the mom goes, I won't either. Yeah, it <laughs> like, makes a little. It makes a little like little eye look. Yeah, a little eye look to the camera. It, it's a lot of like, I don't know. I'm not sure the show decided what it wanted to be. I think it didn't. I don't think it did. I think that's a good point. It, it's very clear, and sometimes that hap- That's one of the reasons that we don't just look at pilots. There is another show out there that does. Yeah, and they've looked at this one too. But that's the reason we don't just look at the pilot because a lot of times a show in the pilot is figuring it out. Right. Right. Um, so the parts of this doll that they show, it's just like a bunch of mannequin parts. Yeah. And then two minutes later, she's there, a person. There's Tiffany Brissett. And yeah. he says, I used a new synthetic material. It's like real skin, real human hair. And then he pulls off the wig and there's a big laugh. But this was the part that I thought was the most strange. Okay. He goes, I also wanted her to smell real, so I used mom's perfume. Oh, on a little girl. That's weird. Why are you using your wife's perfume on a robot? To me, again, this is like some jokes that were left over from that living doll show Mm -hmm. that are a little bit more sexual in nature. And also, I'm, I'm a little bit in the concept here. We see it in the beginning here, and then we also see it in the Thanksgiving episode we're going to talk about in a minute. But... What's the concept of this show? Is it that she's a robot, but she becomes more like a person and they treat her like family? Because in both episodes we saw, they sort of treat her like a slave. Big time, yeah. I wanted to talk about They make her do all the work around the house. They make her help cook. They make her do all this stuff. And they basically just kind of boss her around. Yeah, I think that the, she's like Rosie from the from the Jetsons. She's much more like Rosie than Elf, and I think that the original premise is more like Elf. Or but he's treated more like family than right, she is. Or like, um, which we covered, Alf. I think what episode five, maybe. Yeah, it was early. Um, but I think, I think it is a lot more like Rosie from the Jetsons is a good example because it seems to me a lot more like that and a lot less like the other sitcom with a twist, like Bewitched right. or Gen- I Dream I of Dream Genie, Genie yeah. or Alf that that. I think that that's what they were going for, but I don't know that it hits it. Um, so, at any rate, he's introducing Vicky to his wife and son, and he says, I gave birth. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, but then he says, it's programmed for human values, emotions, faults. The eyes are solar cells. It's got a systemic array processor. Just treat her like a real child. She knows everything a 10-year-old child would know. 
why? <laughs> here's here's my question. Why are we <laughs> programming her to be like a know everything a 10 year old would? And he also says, like, she could help people in hospitals, help kids in hospitals, make them feel comfortable. Or you could send in volunteers, Ted. Or send in the clowns. Right. You're going to send in a robot. a dollar robot. And also, you could program this robot for anything, but you programmed yeah. her to know what a 10-year-old would know. Yeah. Why not? How about work in caustic environments that human beings can't be in? Right? Right. Yeah. Nope. Nope, she Put does a really good the... ja- great job of vacuuming our living room. <laughs> yeah, which is so kind my of... my wife doesn't have to. Kind of what happens. Um, there's a cute, funny thing where she bumps into the door and her voice unregulates and they have to smack her. She's yep. like, eh, 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 which is kind of funny. Ja- Here. Jamie gets her to help him make them breakfast in bed because he wants to kind of suck up to his parents a little bit. Um, it's also, is it their anniversary? Yeah, and again, before giving them breakfast in bed, he says, do you know how babies are made? And she says, no. And he goes, they won't tell me either. Yeah. Also, you're 10. You should have, like, a good concept of that. A little bit. I mean, I I don't know. The 80s were the, I guess, I don't remember the 80s. I mean, child sexual education should start at two or three with knowing just what private parts are and stuff. But most five-year-olds have a general understanding of how babies are made. That, like... Even if it's like a mommy and a daddy come together and have a special hug. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he knows nothing. Um, yeah. Happy anniversary. And again, though, is that, a, is that a joke you make on a show you're going to show on Saturdays for no. kids? No. And then also. It's not. It's they, mixed up. And they show the two parents in bed and she's trying to get with him and he's reading books about robotics. Yeah. And it, it, they've been together for 11 years and then they start fooling around. And then the kids walk in. Yeah. And he goes, we better program her for better timing and to knock before entering. Yeah. So they bring in this nice made breakfast and Jamie says, give it to him, Vicky. And Vicky throws it at them because, of course, she has no clue. Yeah. And um, because he's the boss, the big J, he tells yeah. me what to do. So then Jamie gets in trouble for Vicky not being programmed correctly. Yes. Like, Jamie also keeps Vicky in his closet. Yeah. Which is weird. It is very weird. Like, is she, like, give her a bedroom or even some, but, like, if you're going to treat her like part of the family, don't make her sleep in a closet. Right. And, again, that's part of the thing of, like, the concept isn't felt out fully. Like, if she's part of the family, why is she in the closet? Right. But also, he made you this nice breakfast. And kids are kids. Kids spill stuff. They make mistakes. So you're going to punish him and send him to his room and ground him for making you guys breakfast. When, by the way, also, your your kid and your robot have been cooking in your kitchen for about a half hour and you had no idea. Yeah. Right? (laughs) So, at any rate, um, Harriet keeps spying. And gets the door slammed in her face again. Um, And then they go out to the mall to buy a present to make up for the... That'll make them happy. Yes. What? And that's kind of the end. (laughs) They They go to the mall and they get stuck. She gets stuck in the... Oh, yeah. She gets stuck in with the... Basically, she's taken away with the other mannequins when they're changing a display. Yeah. But, she, but she doesn't look like a mannequin she at all. She also talks and moves. All she has yeah. to do is move or talk and they'd be like, oh crap. Yeah. But no, she just gets stuck and then she busts down the door. And then 
they go back home and Harriet's told her dad about Vicky and Jamie's in trouble. And he goes, but I, I left the house to get you a present. And he gives him this ashtray, which again is the most 80s gift you can do for a parent. Yeah. And they're upset that he left the house because he was supposed to be in trouble in his room. Yeah. How about the fact that a 10-year-old left the house alone and went to the mall? And went to the mall by himself. And bought stuff. And took an expensive robot with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the ashtray, when I was in like kindergarten or first grade, so around the same time, at Christmas time, our teacher gave us metal coffee cans to paint that our parents could use for ashtrays or whatever. And I think my dad kept his change in his for yeah. like five years. I was always like so happy about that gift. But I just think that's funny that like kids in at- were that giving their parents ashtrays. That was a big thing at the time. I made a number of clay ashtrays yeah. in the 80s for art and things like that. Yeah, you wouldn't be allowed to do that now. Now you like parents would freak out if you right. sent home an ashtray. Um, well, everybody smoked in the 80s too. So it was a bigger, it wasn't. Yeah. My parents didn't, thankfully, but yeah. Um, which is why they, they kept, I think, nails and change. <laughs> like loose, loose nails and screws and then extra spare change in the in the old coffee can that was painted to say, like, Merry Christmas in, like, bad five-year-old handwriting. <laughs> um, yeah, so that is how episode one ends. That's how we're introduced to the with a, with a very 80s... Aww. And a yeah. lesson at the end. And that is our introduction. And I'm going to tell you, um, again, a little bit of a spoiler about my full uh, rating on this. Uh, I didn't want to see more after this. <laughs> no, but we, we said we were going to do the Thanksgiving episode, so we had to go to season two, episode 12, the Thanksgiving episode. All right. Right off the bat, Mom has... A new haircut and it is i can't even i'm gonna okay i'm gonna post the the episodes are on youtube i'm gonna post them for you guys because you do have you have to watch this it's so bad that you have to watch it that's yeah. that's what i'm gonna say she is wearing some kind of a pink jumpsuit onesie i don't know what you would call it it is bright pink and Vicky's cleaning. Vicky's doing all the cooking and cleaning. She's doing all the cooking and cleaning for Thanksgiving. And they are about to have a traditional Thanksgiving meal. Except for the robots making it and Joan is just being lazy apparently. Yes. In her pink jumper. And she goes, Vicky, can you speed it up? And Vicky goes, speed it up. And then she starts smoking. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, like a furnace. Um, their plan is to have corn turkey clams and 91 indians yes that actually was a good joke i did laugh at that um and then they go and venison and she goes jamie goes what's venison and she and vicky's like deer and he goes wait like bambi i don't want to eat bambi for thanksgiving oh my gosh which was kind of funny too harriet comes over as a turkey Listen. She's dressed up as a turkey. Okay. Did you do a Thanksgiving play? No. Okay. We did a Thanksgiving play. The fourth graders or fifth graders always put it on. And remember I told you I was Pocahontas one year? Yeah. So I was in the first act, I was dressed as a pilgrim. 
with pilgrim hats that we had made out of construction paper. Okay. Then, because I had a Pocahontas outfit, I got to be like the main Native American in the play. Nice. Now, for those of you who haven't seen my photo, I am very pasty pale. And a redhead. A redhead. What? You're the ultimate Irish person, not Native American. Listen, it was whitewash casting. Okay. And I had to go behind the stage and change, but I kept I kept my Native American outfit on underneath my pilgrim outfit. Okay. But it was kind of like a peachy flesh colored thing. Mm -hmm. And then people some of the kids in my class were like, I'm back, I was naked backstage. I was like, I was not naked backstage. I have my Native American outfit on. I'm Pocahontas. And they were like, Pocahontas was at Thanksgiving, Megan. And I was like, yeah, I know. Um, but We didn't do Thanksgiving play. We had a winter play, and I was Frosty the Snowman. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I had to skip around the stage to Frosty the Snowman, the song. Oh, my gosh. I wish that there, is there a video of it? I, I don't think so. I wish I could see a video of that. Anyway, um, I, we didn't have a turkey, but um, Harriet is kind of inviting herself over for Thanksgiving or trying she to. She keeps making references to her mom being a terrible cook. Yeah. But also, there's like a thing with her and Jamie, like she's got the hots for Jamie. Oh yeah, big time. She keeps winking at him and talking about being like Mrs. Jamie and they're 10 or 11 years old. Yeah, but that's that's about right. Girls chase. Jamie's not impressed with her. But gir- girls chase boys at that age, yeah. and boys are like, Bleh, no, yeah. thank you. Um, and then we have Jamie, who brought home a friend from school. Yeah, he brings home his friend Adam. Yeah, who, who we find out is a latchkey kid. Oh my god! So gosh. not only is this the Thanksgiving episode, Listen. it's also the learn something episode. Yeah, and. I kept thinking that this guy looked familiar. A couple of years later, he plays Scott on Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, okay. Scott was the nerdy kid who um, accidentally shoots himself. Oh, jeez. And dies, like, the first season? Maybe the beginning of the second yeah, season? Wow. Um, way yeah, to, Way to bring down small wonder Thanksgiving, Megan. Harriet is like, I'm all woman underneath. Underneath yeah. the turkey outfit? And all, what, you're 11 not, years of woman? Um, yeah, okay. But getting back to the latchkey kid, here's what he says, you guys. This is emotional manipulation that I probably fell for as a six-year-old. Okay, and I probably also didn't understand what the heck they were talking about. Mm. Jamie's like, don't you have any... Oh, Jamie's friend, Adam, is going to the community center for Thanksgiving. They're going on a ski trip. And he goes, yeah. For the, basically for latch. It's like something special for the kids who yeah. don't have their parents. And he goes, no, I have a... He goes, my dad went out for a newspaper and never came back. What? Wow. My yeah. mom has two jobs. I'm a latchkey kid. Well, geez. <laughs> he goes, but we do get oh, this nice trip that they said they'll bring us on. So Jamie, who Wait, has a great family says, and a robot that takes care of says, them, is like, maybe I can con my way on this trip. Yeah, and he goes, oh, a broken home. Some guys have all the luck. <laughs> Jamie, what the heck? Um, As a former latchkey kid, I was offended. I was offended, and I wasn't even a latchkey kid. I mean, also, a lot of kids who were latchkey kids just had two working parents. 
Like, that's what it meant. It meant that yeah, you, you got it home. it meant you came home and you had to have a key to get yourself in your right. house. Right, you came home before your parents, before your parents home. got home. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean my dad went out for newspapers Today and never came Today it's pretty much normal, but back in the 80s, you're coming out of... You're coming out of a number of generations where there was a lot of stay-at-home moms. Right. So it wasn't normal for kids to come home from school and no one to be there. Yeah. Um, They're going to play... So at any rate, I put in my notes, and this is what Steve already said, I put, Vicky is basically their slave, and these parents have pretty much no interest in their children. That's true. They say, let's go out play football with the kids, but then they huddle on the couch and huddle the football on the couch, just the two of them, and then they start canoodling. Yeah. And having sexy romantic times, kissing and snuggling, and the kids are like, I thought we were going to play football. Yeah. While Jamie while Jamie goes to try to con his way into a, onto a trip. Yeah. And Vicky here pretty much, she's supposed to be the center of the show. She pretty much has no function in this episode Except whatsoever. for cooking and cleaning. She cooks, she cleans, and she's making turkey noises, which did make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. But luckily they have her so they can still have Thanksgiving dinner because mom's doing nothing but trying to get it on with dad on the couch. And dad's doing nothing but trying to watch football and not caring about mom trying to get it on with him because right. he likes robots, Steve. The dad's a freak who likes robots. So anyway, he says, pretend you're from a broken home and look sad. Now he's taking Vicky to go to the community center to scam their way into going on a ski trip. Yes. And he says... My dad went my dad went out for pizza. We never got the pizza. I don't even remember my dad's first name anymore. But we never saw the pizza again either. Yeah. To me it was actually kind of a funny line. That was Vicky, right? Then Vicky yeah. said we never saw the pizza either. Yeah. And then he goes, Mom puts mom put dad's picture on a milk I can't on a milk carton. Which is a really dark joke. Yes. And we've talked about the milk cartons a couple of times, right? Yeah, we have. Especially with um, the one with the spaceship. Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator, yep. Um, they can't afford a phone, he says. Yeah, he goes, I'll just call your parents. Well, I can't afford a phone. Yeah. And then Vicky has this, like, tear fountain special effect that comes out of her eyes. And here's the thing, again, they're, he's using her just like the parents did. Yeah. But this guy who's like a social worker, is it like, what the hell is wrong with your sister? Like, does she have like a problem with her tear ducts? This is not a normal crying. Right. It's like way, way over the top. So here's the issue here. Well, this is part of the, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but this is part of the problem of the whole show, okay? Is that Vicky, who should be the center and the main character, is not. She's a prop. Yep. Okay. If this were written as an episode where Vicky doesn't understand the nuances of this and wants to go on a trip and is trying to get on, you could be like, oh, Vicky, she doesn't know because she's a robot. Yeah. Having Jamie do it makes him seem like a sociopath. It really does. And like he doesn't care about his friend. And I think you're right. That little tweak of the writing, have it be that she overhears Jamie talking to his friend. She leaves to go scam the guy to try to get on the trip. Right. Out of innocence and naivety because she doesn't understand. And then you see Jamie comforting his friend and being like, hey, you can eat Thanksgiving with us if you don't want to go on the trip. I'm sorry, but I'll always be your friend anyway. Like, you could have that and have more empathy for the kids who are in that situation. Or Jamie steps in as the older brother 
catches her trying to skim and explains to her what that really is. Right. And why that's... And then Instead she of being learns, a little, like, sociopath that we have no empathy for. And then Vicky learns the real meaning of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, they catch on to yeah. it. And the guy basically just, you know, because the guy shows up at the house... Yeah. ...to get, like, the parental consent or whatever... And realizes that this was a scam by Jamie and is like, well, I got to go up. Basically lets him off with nothing. And I'm like, lock him up. Like, put him in juvie. He might learn something. Vicky says, tie him to a tree, cover him with honey, let the ants eat him for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm with you, Vicky. Um, Then Vicky comes in wearing Native American headdress. And Jamie goes, that sucker sure looks tender. What? The writing is so weird for him. So weird. I, I just find that, again, that's not something that a 10-year-old would say. No. Um, so they sit down for dinner, finally. And then Harriet shows back up. But Jamie's not allowed to eat with them. That's his punishment. Yeah, that's his punishment. If you don't want to be part of this family, and he goes, okay, I'll take my punishment like a man. Which is the only nice thing he said this whole time. Although he never really planned on eating with them anyway. He planned on being on a trip. Yeah. So and, it's not like he cares. And also... He's probably planning we, a murder. They're, they're, they originally, the whole thing is that they were planning a traditional Thanksgiving. There is no venison. There are no clams. We don't see any of that stuff. Yeah. We don't see any of it. We just see the turkey. Um, so Harriet is at the door. Uh, then she... She kind of is invited in finally. Dad, The dad gets an extra chair. So that she can sit down and eat with them. Yeah, and Jamie says, you can sit by me. He's invited back now that he's kind of gotten forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then there's a joke about the turkey being stuffed with bananas. There's also no closure for this friend of Jamie's who apparently we probably never see again. No. We don't even see in the rest of this episode. He's just there to set up the idea that a ski trip's going on. Yeah, he's right? the la- it's the last Kiki episode. It's like it's like the str- it's like a Stranger Danger episode. Right. It's like it's like an after school special. The more you know, episode of a sitcom. Yeah. Which they did a lot in the eighties. Yeah. So he's supposed to learn the lesson right. to be I think happy. Of the bike shop owner guy in different. It was a well, different stroke. Yeah, and it's the same. Yeah, it's the it's same the principle. Same princi- just yeah. It's the same guy doing both shows, right? Yeah. Um. So this is he's supposed to learn the lesson that. Thanksgiving is about family, and he should be thankful for that and thankful for what he has, and that he would have been taking away the opportunity for somebody who doesn't really have a good family and who could have used some some friendship and fellowship on that ski trip. Mm. Um, but yeah, to me, oh, God, this is just... The, the, every writing decision that they made, I would have done the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Just about. So let's get into reception. Okay, so so while the show was kind of popular among those people who saw it, apparently, it was also, it's been regarded by critics as one of the worst sitcoms in history of yeah, TV. Yeah, that, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's always on lists for, like, weirdest 80s premise. Yeah. Robert Bianco, who's a critic for USA Today, listed it as a contender for one of the worst TV shows of all time. This is the kind of thing that, to me, should be redone and rebooted because mm-hmm. it was so bad. But as you said, it has a good premise. Yeah. It, it, like, it, actually to be honest, reboot it, but do it correctly. The only reason it lasted four seasons, as you said, was because it was going straight into syndication. Yeah. They were basically, it was pay to play, basically. They were just paying, selling it off as they were producing it. But you could do this as a, as a Disney show over two seasons where you do the premise that it was meant to be done. 
that it's like Pinocchio and that she becomes a real girl over time and you have character development and growth and some laughs along the I'm, way. And I'm going to get into my thoughts on it when I do my give my review, but Yeah. Um there it did win two awards. Stop it. It did not win awards. Okay. In 1986 and 1987, <laughs> two young artist awards. Oh, okay. That makes sense. One for best young supporting actress mm-hmm. and one for exceptional performance by an actress in a long-running series. Okay. Both were won by Emily Schulman, who played Harriet. Really? That's interesting. So, so we didn't... the nosy neighbor, who I thought was the worst, is the only person to win an award on this show. Yeah, I do like her. I do think she's a good actress. I think we didn't see much from her in these yeah. two episodes, other than kind of coming in now and then. But I'm guessing that there were more plots. Her character is the annoying neighbor annoys me. Yeah. That's what's the worst. She she hits it. Yeah. I mean, she conveys yeah. that. But, I mean, to me, that's a trope, too. How many right. sitcoms in the 80s and 90s had an annoying neighbor that was popping in all the time? But we also got to see an interesting... This, to me, sociologically, we got to see an interesting take on Thanksgiving in the 80s, looking at more people are getting divorced, more there are more single parents, there are more women going back to work. How is that affecting the kids? And, um, you know, how, how can we be thankful for whatever situation we're in? It's interesting to me that that was kind of like the focus of this episode, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, of the Thanksgiving episode anyway. Um, so what did you, what did you think of it overall, Steve? One out of ten. here's the thing. There's two problems with this show. Okay. First off, as we mentioned before, as I mentioned before, Vicky needs to be the center of the show, and she's not. Yep. She's a prop or a gimmick that's used, and then they try to let, like, Jamie kind of get all the good lines and things, and it just doesn't sit well. Mm Mm-mm. It doesn't, if she were more the center of the show and things revolved around her and from her perspective... It would be more successful. Secondly, this is a show about kids written by someone who doesn't know kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because they're always just a bit off the mark with the humor, with the language, with the understanding. And it's like, that's why, that's why there's no, there's no, like target there's no they don't know do they want to be a kid's show do they want to make adult humor they don't because there's just it's like they they're like oh we're gonna make a kid's show but they've never seen a kid before yeah and this is also in my in my opinion network tv isn't always great but when you have a network and whether that's netflix hulu nbc abc right Mm -hmm. when you have that you do have some oversight and some quality control. And so I think that part of the thing that happened here is that they didn't have that because this was first-run syndication. Mm-hmm. And they were making money off of it, and they didn't care. Yeah, You know, and a couple of the writers in some of the research that I found were like, I wish I could have erased this from my resume. Because people see this, and they're like, oh, you wrote for that. Yeah. Um, but I 100% agree with everything you're saying. I think that the, the kids stuff is off. Um, they, I have in my notes, what is Vicky even doing? Because they just have her in the, ba- as you said, like a prop in yeah. the background, just vacuuming I mean, while th- they have comedy. We mentioned this earlier when we talked about the cast, but think about this. 
How many other sitcoms can you think of from the 80s or 90s where none of the kids went on to do something? Right. Almost every one of them propelled at least one of the kid actors into a, a number of things. Yeah. Right? Eight is enough. Those Some of those kid actors went in, right? Mm-hmm. Silver Spoons, right? Yeah. A, a number of the things that we, we've we discussed in those 80s sitcoms with, had kids, right? Um, what was the one with um, Michael J. Fox? Family Ties. Family Ties, right? Yeah. The, a number of those kids went on. Right. Be, right? So the fact that three, you had three kid actors... And none of them really went on to do anything else. And that's the, an issue. And the thing is, too, that they're all pretty good. Yeah. For, it's, for it's what the it is, they're doing the... It is. And I also think that it sounds to me like the way that the showrunner was running things, the fact that the writers were over it, and the fact that all of their parents were super stage parents pushing for various things... They were just like, forget it. Yeah. It's a horrible experience. And especially for Tiffany Brissett, where as Vicky, apparently she had to a lot of times be completely isolated because later they would put a green screen behind her for special effects. Right. And then she's just talking like this and she has no yeah. range. She can't. And I, I, she's playing I, it well. I could see where she was probably the concept of the show. If you read it, was pro- she probably thought she was coming in to be the star. Oh, yeah. Big time. And then she got sidestepped, basically. Yeah. And it's also interesting because a lot of times shows like this, the parents take over and it's more like featuring them. Yeah, and that weak. doesn't happen here either. No, yeah. they're completely forgettable. Yeah. So I'm, I'm and I think it, the mom also left after this, left Hollywood to, to raise kids. Yeah. So, so nobody did anything. I'm giving this three robots. Oh man, I don't. And the know. only reason I'm giving it that high is because I feel like the concept had, the concept had potential. a little bit of potential. It's just it was really not. The application was way off. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a two. <laughs> wow. And this I was can't. your choice. It was my choice. But, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be this bad. I think that the kids had potential, the, the idea had potential, but it is bad. I mean, the laugh track is intrusive. The story makes no sense. The jokes make no sense. The, the laughing happens when there's no joke. Yeah, it's not. It's it, not. It, it, it is all over the place. It is not good. No. It's not good. So. Yeah. Two, two and, and a half, half robots, robots out, out of ten. ten. Wow. A real stinker this week for the show and the candy. That might be one of our lowest ranks it might for a be. show. But next time we are doing something that I know that I enjoy. And that is... Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. So, we're going to have the Thanksgiving episode um, next time. And then after that, we, we got a little off on our schedule, but we're still going to review Silver Spoons. Yep, it's a double Thanksgiving episode. It is. So it's a two-parter. I think that'll be really fun. Um, then we're going to have, pretty early on, our Christmas special. Scrooged. Scrooged. The Bill Murray 1980s classic, Scrooged. Retelling of A Christmas Carol. Yes. And then... Comes our 50th episode extravaganza. The 50th episode extravaganza. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I know it seems like time has flown, but Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast has reached 50 episodes this year. Yeah, and we're super excited because we didn't start until February. 
Yeah, well, we had some bonuses in there. We did. Um, so after that, we're going to play some of our favorite episodes after um, our 50th, and we'll come back for season two after the holidays. Yeah. So that's kind of the game plan. Yep. Season two in February, just like we started season one. Yeah, randomly in February because we live in the Northeast. That's our month. And it's cold and there's nothing to it's do. It's snowy and cold and we're huddled with our dog in our house. And I think in February we recorded like just in February alone like eight episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so January, sorry, January, February we'll come back. Yeah. And um, But we still have a lot to do before then and I'm super looking forward to the Thanksgiving and Christmas episodes, but also especially our last episode of the season, our big game. We're going to have a guest. We're going to play a game. We're going to um, have some contests of battles of wills. We're going to go out with a bang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what we have to look forward to. Until then, I will. we will see you guys next week. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve. Have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.